0: Can you think about a big day in your life? Maybe it was when you were graduating, you were about to have a baby, you were gonna get married, you were gonna get your dream job, and there was so much to celebrate, but you didn't fully understand how much things would change about your life. I don't care how many books you've read, nothing prepares you for when you bring the baby home and you realize you're alone. It's a bigger change than you could have ever anticipated. Or maybe on Saturday you got your diploma and the world is your oyster. And now it's Monday and you realize your degree is in geology and it might be a little bit more difficult to get a job than you thought and there's gonna be more to the degree than you thought. Easter's a little bit like that too because it's bigger than we think. You know, Easter is about Jesus died and was raised from the dead and because of that, I'm saved from my sins. That's absolutely true. I'm thankful that it's true. But there's so much more going on than just how it affects me. Because Easter changes not just me, it changes everything. We're going to take a look at the Easter story through some of Paul's writings in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 14. Paul writes, For Christ's love compels us. So in this passage, there's three takeaways that I want us to look at this morning. The first is the importance of the resurrection. Paul gives us just in a nutshell what happens on Easter. He says God reconciled us, and not just us, but the entire world to himself through Christ. To reconcile is to fix things. So how does God fix things? He does this through the person and work of Jesus. So Jesus comes, is born as Bethlehem's baby. He's fully man and fully human. He's the perfect uh, human representation of all people. And he lives a sinless life. And throughout his life, he shows us what God is like. He shows us God's grace and his mercy and his love. And he keeps pointing to the work that God is doing. And then on Good Friday, Jesus is crucified, and in his crucifixion, he breaks the power of sin and death. On the third day, he's raised again from the dead, and God validates everything that Jesus has been said and doing. And Paul says that everyone who dies with Jesus Is also raised with him to new life. He's doing a little bit of a riff on what he talked about in 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul says that God didn't count people's sins against them because it was sin that separated us from God and that is what is dealt with on the cross. I heard a good sermon about the cross last week so I'll just refer you to that. So the resurrection validates everything Jesus said about what God was doing and it fulfills the covenant that God made way back in Genesis. In many ways, the resurrection is the centerpiece of the Bible because it joins the past, what happened, how God planned to fix it with the future on how God is recreating everything and pulling us into this good future. The resurrection is right at the center of that. Now, I believe in Jesus wholeheartedly and unapologetically. I believe in the resurrection because for me, it makes sense of life and it's also the best explanation of what happened to Jesus. But it's a lot to wrap your mind around. In fact, if you read the Gospel accounts, the resurrection accounts are really interesting because they're pretty bare bones. It talks a lot about the crucifixion and then it basically says that Jesus was resurrected from the dead and it caused a lot of confusion in people. Different responses. People were afraid. People had a sense of joy. People doubted, which anyone would. It's not like people 2,000 years ago were stupid. I mean, they knew that people didn't raise from the dead. It shocked them as much as it would have us. So there was doubt. Some of them just go home and lock the doors because they don't know what's gonna happen next. Others of them go out to lunch and try to get things back to normal. But in all of the resurrection accounts mostly, people are just trying to figure out what it means. And in every gospel account, either an angel or Jesus himself says, I'll explain more. Usually it says, come to Galilee and I'll tell you more. In John's gospel, this is where he walks with two people on the road to Emmaus. And it says that he explains the scriptures to them And then when they share a meal, their eyes are opened and they see Jesus and they understand. In Matthew's Gospel, he explains everything to them in Galilee. And then he says, here's the deal, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So now if all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, it means that it doesn't belong to Satan anymore. It means that evil doesn't have free reign anymore. After the resurrection, the winner is clear, and the winner is Jesus, and the winner is good. Now the death and resurrection of Jesus makes the most sense of the world to me. It can't be proven scientifically, but you can't prove Abraham Lincoln lived scientifically either. You have to go for the preponderance of evidence. The preponderance of evidence shows that Abraham Lincoln lived. The preponderance of evidence shows that Jesus Christ was crucified, died, and was raised from the dead. And honestly, for my money, I think it takes far more faith to believe in the economy than it does to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. But wherever you are on the belief continuum, I just want you to, to invite you to keep walking the road with us. So the resurrection is one of the most important things in history. The second thing that I want to look at is the coming of the new kingdom. Paul says God is making a new creation and it's here now. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. This is the message of Jesus over and over and over. The kingdom of God is here now. The kingdom of God is among you. And that changes everything. So recently, I've gotten really, taken up, caught up, addicted to Sudoku. I really like it because I like numbers games and I like to have to think logically. So I play a lot of Sudoku and I'm getting better, but I keep playing like um, expert versions of it which are really hard. And so quite frequently I get stuck. And so because I want to get better at thinking logically and, uh, and solving these Sudoku puzzles, I'll watch like tutorials online. So I'll be at a loss and then the guy who's doing the tutorial will go, hmm, this is a bit difficult. And I'm like, you think? And then he'll go, wait a second, look over here at this square. Look at this square. Look at its relationship to everything around it. That changes everything. It gives us the key to the puzzle. And I'm looking going, how, how? And, And then he explains it because this, this, and this means that this can only be this number. If that's that number. And all of a sudden it changes everything. So here I am working my Sudoku puzzle and everything looks dire. I have no idea what number goes where and I'm ready to give up. And I'm like, wait a second, look at this square. I think that changes everything. And here's the good news. It's not just Sudoku. I mean, look around you. There's war and injustice and suffering, job uncertainty. Maybe you have a huge life change looming, like we said at the beginning. Maybe you're graduating or starting a new job or having a baby or changing careers or thinking of retiring or looking around at assisted care living, and it's overwhelming. Things feel dire. Maybe you can't see your way forward. Maybe you wonder if there can be any real change. Maybe you're confused or stressed or just ready to give up. But wait, look over here. Look at this square. The one that says that Jesus was raised from the dead and that God's kingdom is here. And that changes everything because it gives you the key to understand everything and see how it all fits together. There's possibilities of war, but look at this square. Remember the kingdom of God is here. Jesus is the Prince of Peace and he's in control. I don't know which thing to choose. It's a big hairy choice in front of me. Well, look at the square. Remember that the kingdom is here. It will give you the key to understanding and remembering that God wants good for you. And if you're seeking to follow him, he'll steer you in the right direction. I don't know what lies ahead. Look at the square. Remember the kingdom is here. You know who holds the future. The power of the resurrection is the power of transformation. Transformation of our minds, transformation of our hearts, transformation of our worldview and ultimately the transformation of the world so many things get transformed it's no longer survival of the fittest it's blessed are the people who need blessing the most it's no longer you don't have to win at all costs which if you think about it is kind of sad it's you can't be canceled you aren't what you do you're more than that I remember I watched the Academy Awards for a little bit this year and Michelle Yeoh won for um, best actress and as part of her speech she said ladies don't let anyone tell you that you are past your prime I thought that's kingdom talk in the kingdom of God you're never past your prime God can always use you but that's radically different from the culture that we live in that celebrates youth and strength the resurrection is the key to seeing the kingdom of God all around us. It's the key to seeing how everything fits together and how God is changing everything. And because of the resurrection, the third point, we have hope, and that's because God is making things new. Now, there is a huge difference between hope and wishful thinking. I usually don't like reading definitions, but this one was so good. Wikipedia says that wishful thinking is the formation of beliefs based on what might be pleasing to imagine rather than on evidence, rationality, or reality. It's a product of resolving conflicts between belief and desire. Maybe even better, there's a difference between a hope and a pipe dream. I I looked up the phrase where, where the phrase pipe dream comes from. Late 19th century, it refers to the dreams experienced when smoking an opium pipe. So use it in a sentence like, if you believe in the resurrection, you must be smoking something. Hope is different from pipe dreams. Hope is different from wishful thinking because hope is rooted in reality. Hope is rational. Hope doesn't require suspended belief or chemical altered reality. Paul puts it succinctly. If Christ isn't raised from the dead, then we are the biggest fools of all. That's my personal translation. If the resurrection of Jesus didn't really happen, all anyone needed to do was to produce the body. An entire army of Romans were there, and I'm pretty sure they were good at extracting information. The Jewish power structure had every reason to want the body found, and it was never produced. And every single one of Jesus' disciples swore to the fact that he was alive and most of his closest associates died because they believed he was alive. Since Jesus is risen from the dead, it gives us real hope. Last fall, I watched the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II. You may or may not be into that stuff, but it was history that will not be repeated in our lifetime. So I watched the funeral and it was a traditional Anglican Christian funeral service and it was glorious. There was uh, songs and hymns, there was readings and prayers and a eulogy and lots of trumpets because she was the queen. And the very last thing before they carried her casket out of Westminster Abbey was trumpets. Only it wasn't taps that they played, what the trumpets played was Reveille. The very last thing in the funeral service was a reminder that one day Queen Elizabeth and other believers in Jesus will be raised from the dead. And none of us has ever stood at a graveside and not hoped and trusted and looked forward to the day when Reveille would one day be played from heaven. It's time to get up. It's time to get up. It's time to get up this morning. And that's not wishful thinking. It's not a pipe dream. It's a hope rooted in the reality that if Jesus has been raised from the dead, so shall we be too. But it's not just hope for when we die. It's a hope that changes reality here and now. A number of years ago, I was down on Skid Row in Los Angeles, went down with a missions group, and we were just out on the streets, we were passing out food, we were talking with people. There's a million stories and I do not have it all figured out, but we were just there to love and care for people. And I met one woman who was the queen of the block. And the reason that she was the queen of the block because she took over a porta potty. There was a porta potty that was out there, and it's just exactly as you have pictured it. What is it like, this big by this big? And she lived in it. She had her clothes in there. She slept in there. She cooked in there. And you would have thought she had everything that she needed in life. And she lived in a porta potty. And it reminded me that people need hope, that they won't have to live like that anymore. But there's another side to it too, isn't it? Isn't there? Because I see a lot of people who have a lot and they keep chasing more. They never have enough. They aren't satisfied with what they have. They have incredible resources and yet they live with a mentality of scarcity. What's really happening is that they're chasing after something that they don't seem to be able to find, there's a real emptiness in them for everyone who's searching and not finding, for everyone who's empty inside, even though their lives are filled with what most of the world can only dream of, the resurrection gives us hope that our souls can find satisfaction. Saint Augustine said, "'You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you.'" Hope also gives us purpose. Paul reminds us that God has committed to us the message of reconciliation, of telling people about the hope that is ours. I also see a lot of people without purpose. And when we don't have purpose, we generally default to making ourselves comfortable. The resurrection gives us purpose because we're surrounded by people who need hope. And that's what the message of reconciliation is. God has made a way. It's not a call to a certain way of thinking. It's not a call to a certain behavior or to agreement on a social issue or to a political uh, platform. It's a call to join us at the foot of the cross where our sins are forgiven and at the empty tomb where we're raised to new life. These are interesting times. These are troubling times. These are times where we need hope, but these are not the first time that times have been troubling. Way back in the 14th century, a Christian woman named Dane Julian of Norwich lived, and during the time that she lived in the 14th century, there were waves of black death, the bubonic plague, which in many cases morphed into the pneumonic plague. It raged through Europe in waves, uh, also the Middle East and of North Africa, and it's estimated that between 75 million and 200 million people lost their lives in the Black Death. That's roughly a quarter of the people who were on the planet at the time. Dame Julian saw all of the suffering and lost many of her friends and her family to the plague. But it was during this time that she wrote her important work, Revelations of Divine Love in 1365. And here's one quote. He said, that would be God, thou shalt not be tempested, thou shalt not be travailed, thou shalt not be distressed, but he said, thou shalt not be overcome. And then her most famous quote, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Dame Julian was firmly rooted in the reality of the presence of the kingdom of God, no matter what was swirling around her. In John 16, Jesus is about done talking to his disciples for what is pretty much the last time that he says something substantive. And he's pretty clear with them that some rough things are about to happen. But he ends with this. I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have troubles. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And that's the Easter message. So let me ask you three questions. How does the resurrection give you hope personally? Number two, what would you say the driving purpose in your life is? And number three, who do you know who needs the hope that you have? Hi, thanks for watching. The people of Harbor Covenant Church really want you to know the love that God has for you, want to grow with you in faith, and want to serve alongside you, not only to help others do the same, but also to make our families and our communities better. If that sounds like something that you can get on board with, then like, follow, and drop us a comment in the video. Watch some more videos on our channel, or come visit us on Sunday. You can find out more about Harbor Covenant Church at harborcov.church.